Hello, everyone, and welcome to Paranormal Roundtable, PRT for short. My name is Josh Turner, also known as Wolf. Uh, most of my friends call me Wolf, but you can call me Mr. Turner. I'm just kidding. You can call me Josh. You can call me Wolf. Just don't call me late for dinner. This is my <laughs> co-host, Tony, also known as Mushu. Mushu. You can call me... Uh, sweet and sour pork or General Sal's chicken. I like sweet and sour pork. <laughs> I like sweet and sour mushu, but whatever. <laughs> is it General So or General Sal? How they, uh, do they, this, the pronoun- I think it's, I don't know. I mean, General Zo's chicken. Isn't that T-S-A-O, yeah, right? Some of that. Well, I'm not asking. You're not Chinese. I'm saying yeah, like if you. I am Chinese. Well, so. you're half, but I'm saying like you're not. You weren't raised up in that culture. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. You don't know it. how to pronounce it. You don't speak any Mandarin or. Cantonese. Or Cantonese. No. So you're a can you're basically a Cantonese. You're really yeah, just can't, a white Asian. Like Cantonese. Yeah. <laughs> uh so tonight and we're joined with our friend Michael Moran. This may be a regular thing. Mike just may be coming onto the round table and and talking with us and shooting shooting the breeze. But today, Mike, you're going to talk about something serious. We're gonna get into that in a minute, right, Mike? Yes. Mike is gonna talk to you how you can save fifteen percent of your car insurance. I'm just kidding. If you, if you switch to, uh, yeah. So what we're going to talk about, we'll get to that in a minute. But first, got to do PRTpodcast.com, PRTpodcast.com, where you can find our artwork, our uh, merch store, our uh, PayPal, and also all of our past episodes. You know, uh, we, we, have a, we appreciate everyone who visits it. And then you can also find all of, of those links in the YouTube description right under the video. Yeah, well, did you say you appreciate everybody? I appreciate everyone who goes and. and uh, I, I don't. I don't appreciate none of you fools. Well, uh, I mean, my appreciation. I'm is serious. More than I really, I really, actually appreciate everyone, and I love all my listeners, and I try to interact with everyone as much as I possibly can, and I absolutely appreciate it. All the great comments that we get on the shows, um, not real big on all the bad ones, but uh, you know who really is, and I'm sometimes I like to have fun with them and mess with them and stuff, yeah. but. It's fun. You know, it is I mean, fun. that's where that's why I like it. It's like you know, and even despite it being supposed to like be a negative comment, it's fun just to mess with them. Yeah. <laughs> I also like the fans who uh, are creating images of us. I'm finally Clint Turner. Clint. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know the funny thing is, Cur- I'm sorry, Clint Cur- Curtis Kurt, Tur- yeah. Curtis Turner. I said Clint. I got another friend named Clint, but uh, Cur- Curtis. Uh, like Curtis Turner, I want to give him a shout out. He's always like making cartoons of me and stuff. He's and making them of me now too. That's pretty funny. He's yeah. a funny guy, and and so he's no relation to me. Um, he's not my cousin or anything like that. But uh, yeah, he's a pretty funny guy. So Mike is the as we've said before. Um, Mike is the uh, the head of Cryptid Squad. Yep. And he's got That's his own group. page, which I'm an admin of. And Tony, you're part of that too, I believe. Yep, I'm an admin of that. Yeah, but, we're uh, both admins. And Michael, that is your group. That is your page. It's got like 1,200 members or whatever. Um, at this point, probably will by the time this thing airs, we'll probably have even more. It's growing all the time. I'm always uh, approving uh, member requests. So my my group is Paranormal Roundtable. Tony's is Paranormal Encounters. And Nelly's is Paranormal Lounge. We're all brother and sister groups. And then we have uh, Cryptids and Paranormal Reality. Which is Lori Shivers? Or, I'm sorry, Lori Shivers. I keep I keep wanting to pronounce her name uh, incorrectly, and uh, she's already gotten on to me about that. So yeah, Cryptids and Paranormal uh, Reality is her page, and I'm also uh, an admin for that group. 
anyways, those are some groups to get involved in and to stay up to date on anything paranormal. Paranormal, uh, please go to our page and like. Uh, one is Josh Wolf Turner. I, it's in Josh, and then Wolf is in like uh, quotations. Turner. That is my fan page, and then the, there's a fan page for Paranormal Roundtable. It's got the the, the Shadow Hat Man on there. Um, that's our, our original logo yeah. when we first started the show. And uh, so you can go and like those pages. And like Tony had said earlier, if you got any artwork you want to submit, go to the PRT podcast. And uh, also our our email address is doswolfman88 at gmail.com, doswolfman88 at gmail.com. So we, without further ado, as they say, do you want do you want to get into uh, the go? I just looked at what, that Curtis just made a, uh, a I picture I mean, of Tony. He's made a bunch of them, and the thing is, is I don't know where that photo is from, and I'm trying to figure it out. Which I is a little the, I weird. I sent it to him. Really? Because <laughs> I was like, I got better photos. Where did he get this? One? Yeah, because I gave him that one because you were being silly, and I, I thought that was a funny photo. Yeah. All right, so without <laughs> good one. Okay, I I can start. I had a submission that was given to me from a listener, and it was it was a very long uh, story, and so I thought maybe I would just read it um, because Mike, I've read it to you and Tony, and I didn't know. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and start off with this one. This isn't this is a submission given to me uh, by someone named Angela. Uh, not her real name, not, it's close to it, but not. And so I'm going to call her Angela and she wrote this to us. It says here, okay. So my very first memory is of Halloween when I was three years old, my family, mom, dad, and two older brothers and an older sister and myself being the youngest lived in a rural wooded area on the Northwest side of Washington state near Vancouver. The nearest community was Skamakawa. And I hope I pronounced that right. Skamakawa. Uh, a few miles away, we lived in a huge turn-of-the-century three-story house that had once been used as an orphanage. It was a very old building, and judging from a couple photos I've seen, it was dilapidated, ironically. It was on a Halloween afternoon that my parents gathered us kids up and took us all to a po- costume party at our church. When we came home, we were greeted by all of our neighbors and first responders blocking the road to our home as it was on fire and burning to the ground. There was nothing we could do to salvage it, and I remember looking out the window from the back seat of our station wagon and watching the building collapse in flames. My parents were crying, and there were fire trucks and neighbors lined up on both sides of the road. I remember being very confused. Fast forward to a few hours later, our next-door neighbor was a family who was a family who owned a dairy. Later on, my oldest sister married their oldest son. They let us all sleep there that night and for the next few days until we could get a different place to live. It was still fairly early in the night when my parents bedded me down. The rest of the family was still up and in the living room trying to overcome the shock. They put me in a crib in a long, narrow storage room with floor-to-ceiling windows the length of the room and shut the door so that, so that I would go to sleep. Looking back now, I'm sure that back in, the day, back in the day, this room was probably somewhat of a greenhouse or solarium for plants. When I was there, it was just messy with boxes and storage. I remember being upset and humiliated because they had put me in a crib and not a bed. I was a big girl. I had been sleeping in a big girl bed, and I was not liking this crib. I remember sitting up and looking out through the bars on the crib like a prisoner. The yard light was shining through the windows, illuminating the room like daylight, and I could see everything as if it was midday. I remember looking out through the curtainless windows. There were tall hedges that stood beside each of the windows all the way down the wall. I remember dropping a stuffed toy 
between the bars and I was trying to grab it but couldn't reach it. And when I heard a quiet tapping on the window in front of me, I remember looking out the window and seeing this beautiful woman outside looking in at me. She was slender and had long black hair that went down past her waist. She was wearing a long white gauzy dress. She was very beautiful and she was smiling at me at me and opening and closing her hand like you do when you're waving at a little kid. I remember smiling back at her and waving. She pointed to the bottom of the window and motioned for me to open it. She was pretty and her smile was so friendly and sweet. She made me like her immediately. I remember looking at the window and trying to figure out how I was going to get it open, but I was stuck in baby prison. I remember looking over at the closed bedroom door and seeing the light filtering from the other room. I heard her rap on the window again. This time it was louder and a bit more aggressive. I looked back at her again and her sweet, pretty smile had changed and she was now glaring at me, was obviously getting angry at me. She motioned at the bottom of the window for me to open it. I looked back over at the door and, and around me, and I was as I was trying to figure out how to climb out of the crib when I heard a screech against the window. She was no longer beautiful and feminine. Her long black hair had turned into a mass of matted tangles. Her dress was no longer white and gauzy, but it turned gray, filthy, and torn. Her beautiful face had melted into a skeleton, and her lips were peeled back into a horrible sneer. She had long pointed fangs and teeth like an animal. I started screaming bloody murder, and I remember my entire family bursting through the door and my dad scooping me up in his arms. That was my very first memory, and because of that, I still can't look out of a window at night. All curtains have to be pulled tight. Now, I spent most of my teen years trying to justify what I had seen by assuming it was just my imagination from the trauma of seeing our house burn down or even some cruel joke with a Halloween costume trying to scare me. I would have been content to think that had the puzzle pieces not come together years later when I talked to my sister's mother-in-law, the dairy owner, about what happened that night. As I said, I lived in Vegas for about a year with my sister and her husband in one of those gated communities with a big swimming pool. Laura, my sister's mother-in-law, was staying with us for a while. <clears throat> I was about 17, so I took her with me down to the swimming pool in the courtyard, and we talked about the night our house burned down. I told her that I didn't want her to think I was crazy, but I had seen something that night. She hadn't even heard what I was about to say before she told me that she knew what I had seen. She knew what I had seen, and she wanted to hear what it was because she had some things to tell me about it. I told her what I had seen, and she told me that she remembered screaming, me screaming at her husband and my dad went outside to, the, to investigate. She said, I refused to look out the window, but I was pointing over my shoulder and screaming monster over and over. She told me that there was a fresh skiff of snow on the ground, and when her husband and my dad went outside, there was a fresh set of tracks in the snow up to the window, but they disappeared in the middle of the yard as if they lifted off the ground. According to my dad and her husband, they weren't human, but they weren't really animal either. They couldn't tell what they were. Laura told me she believed with all her heart because at the same time this happened, Two of her friends had encounters with something that traumatized them. According to her, one of her friends was cleaning her attic and she looked up and saw something staring at her through the window that terrified her to the point she dropped her broomstick and never went back into the attic. Another one of her friends saw something through her bedroom window that scared her so bad she had to be hospitalized. Laura's one friend told her that what she, she saw looked like a half-rotted corpse with long black tangled hair and fangs. To this day, I have never seen a Halloween costume or computer-generated movie that even comes close to what I saw. I only know that if I ever do see this thing again, I'm sure I'll have a heart attack. I'll never be able to look out a window at night, and just the thought of it makes me nauseated. If in all your travels and many encounters people share with you, you happen to hear of anyone else in the Skamakawa, or Skamakaway, however you pronounce it, area who saw this, I'd like to know. Stay safe, Angela. And she says here, 
By the way, Laura's friend who had the incident in the attic did not have a balcony roof or anything else for someone to stand on outside the attic. Whatever it was that was outside the attic had to be levitating. And that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we get we receive stories that are just so well put on their own that, you know. Yeah, that was a full story, and, yeah. and it was pretty well put together. There were a few little uh, errors that I that were like I had to, to, to whatever, but for the most part, it was very well written, and uh, it was easy to read. Yeah. But yeah, Angela, I appreciate you. You're a longtime listener and friend of the show, and I appreciate you sending that story. Like I said, she wanted uh, her name to be for the most part, um, you know, anonymous, but it's not like you're crazy because people see things like this all the time. Uh, Mike, I'm going to tell you something. I, I immediately wanted to use this story instead of saving it because I didn't need to. Now, it, I, I, nobody, this story doesn't come from the Skamakaway area and it doesn't even come from Washington, but I'll tell you one that I got. This one is right here in Texas. This one happened in Del Rio. Somebody that submitted this story to me, um, that this happened to their first cousin's husband, who they actually lived with at the time that it happened. And uh, there was a lot of paranormal stuff going on in the house. I'll begin with that, that part of the, the paranormal aspect of what was going on. They said when they first moved in with their first cousin and her husband, they, the first night they were there, this was a couple, okay? And it was a three-bedroom. It wasn't a big uh, house, but it was three bedrooms, and it was only a couple living there. So they had two spare bedrooms. And so they took one of the bedrooms and began to rent from them. And they were just trying to get back on their feet. And the the first night that they were there, uh, they heard the toaster oven go off. Like, you know how it sounds when it pops open. And they heard, like, what they thought was somebody making a lot of noise, banging around the kitchen, what they thought they were in there making sandwiches or something. They were opening refrigerator, closing the open and closing the, uh, the cupboards. And so eventually she got up to go and just like, cause it was just very loud. And she was like, what is going on? You know, like how long is this going to go on? But she got up to go and check. And as she goes into the kitchen, all the cupboard doors are open. And she said that they had one of those islands. And if I remember correctly, it was like an Island in the middle of the kitchen and all the cupboard doors were open and they had one of those uh things that hangs down i forgot what she called it like the, like with the holds the pot and pans or whatever um i forgot how how she 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 put it whatever and they were moving they were kind of moving back and forth like i remember them or her saying that they were kind of clanging together and so i talked to her and she was describing this this whole thing to me and she said that she felt like what was like a cold breeze brush by her and she said that it gave her like chills and her whole right side felt cold whatever it was had gone by her and she ran back to the room and told her husband she's like this there's something wrong here there is something really wrong in this house uh if it was like there was something there and she's like i could hear almost like footsteps and i felt like something you know like like moved past me and so this Went on like the first night and then it went on again the second night. She said the same thing happened. It started up that there was this noise going on in the kitchen, whatever. Well, she couldn't get her husband to wake up. His name was, I'll just call him Ray. She, she said she was like, Ray, Ray, Ray. She kept trying to wake him up, trying to wake him up. 
every time this happened, it happened around the same time at like 3.12 in the morning. It was like 3.12, anywhere from 3.12 to 3.15. She said it would start and then it would end. And she said that she got up again the second night because it just was a, a lot of noise and she didn't want to be rude and asked him, were y'all in the kitchen, whatever. Um, Got up. She heard somebody in the bathroom. So she, she heard him clearly in the bathroom. Like it sounded like they were moving around, doing something in the bathroom. She could see the shadow moving underneath the, the door from the light in the bathroom. So she stood there in the bathroom because she was scared of what had happened the night before. So she thought, okay, this happened. Okay, whatever's going on in the kitchen is this paranormal stuff, whatever. Well, there's somebody that's in the bathroom. Obviously, it's either my cousin or her husband. So she waited. She waited. And she waited. And eventually, she knocked on the door. And they op- the, the door never opened. The door opened like when she began to knock vigorously, as she said. She's like, I knocked pretty hard. I was like, would you say vigorously? She said, yes. The door opened after vigorously knocking on it. There was nobody in the bathroom. But this noise stopped in the bathroom, but it was still going on in the kitchen. So she goes into the kitchen. She's she's brave, and she walks in there. And as she's walking into the kitchen, and she gets into the she, – she peeks her head around the corner of the kitchen because she's scared to walk right out into the open – she sees a butcher's knife on the ground, like spinning around in a circle. I asked her, because I don't know what the significance would be, if it was caught clockwise or counterclockwise, and she said she didn't really pay attention, pay attention to yeah. that. Yeah, so she ran back to her uh, bedroom, and at that point, her husband, Ray, was actually waking up. And he was like, what time is it? And she's like, it's 3.15. And he's like, oh. and he went back to sleep. He groaned and went back to sleep. The next day, he had no recollection of even waking up. She said she talked to him, and he was just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he even gave her a couple of, like, little answers like, oh, it's probably just the wind, you know, it's your imagination, whatever. But then the next day, he had no recollection of the conversation. Nothing weird seemed to be happening to anybody else in the house that they were noticing. The next day, she went out into the back patio, and she sat there with her cousin. And she said point blank, she's like, something's wrong, okay, in this house. I've woke up twice and there's kitchen utensils and things being banged around and there's a knife that's, you know, and she says, stop talking about it. She's like, I don't want to hear this. She's like, what? She's like, don't, don't talk about it. And so her cousin got up and and went back inside and she was just like dumbfounded. So she, she was smoking cigarettes with her cousin. So she finished her cigarette. She went back inside and just tried to, not talk about it, not think about it. And the days were normal. Their husbands went to work. She had a part-time job where she only worked three days a week and, and her cousin was pregnant. So she was staying, she stayed around the house. So on the days where she didn't have her job or whatever, she would be there with the cousin and helping her do stuff around the house. It was a mutual thing where they, they, she helped them and they gave her cheap rent, whatever. And uh, nothing would, would be out of place. It was only in the morning, in the middle of the night. Now, we've talked before about 3 a.m. being a weird parent witching hour. It's always around 3 a.m. That seem, stuff seems to go bumping the night. Yeah. And if you go back to the interviews that I did with the Atristanes, um, with the demonic oppression, that, that is the 3 a.m. is that window where a lot of stuff happens. This is where it gets weird. Like, okay, eventually her cousin's mental health began to kind of break down. 
the, the the woman in question on the story, she began to uh, like like the woman who moved in to help her. She that the witnessed the the, uh, the original events. The events began to just become commonplace at night. Every night she would hear moving around and shuffling and things like that, and she would just block it out. She literally like slept. Repetitive. They were repetitive, yeah. And she she began to wear earplugs, so she didn't have to hear it, and it worked. She put a, ma- a blinds on her eyes and earplugs, and it blocked it out. But one night, something woke her up by pulling on her leg. And she said she felt a jolt, and then she it, something pulled her right leg, and then she felt her head bob back and forth, and then she felt another jolt, and then she pulled the blinds off of her eyes, and she could make out through the, there was like moonlight coming in from the window. She said there was like, it was enough light where you could kind of make out what was looked like a shadow at first, but there was like a black shadowy looking thing, but it's arm. Like when it moved into the moonlight, you could see a skeleton almost like you could see a skeleton. Like, like this thing was not a black mass. Like she thought because it was dark in the room when it came into the light, it was clearly like skeletal. And she didn't get a good look at its face. But here's what's messed up. Eventually, her cousin began to get sick. She was getting closer to her due date. And unfortunately, she lost the baby. Miscarriage. So as she got further along in her pregnancy, she had a some sort of trauma. I mean, it like, and caused her to have a miscarriage. She confided in her cousin and told her that one night that this had happened a few times, that something was coming into the room at night and it started with the, the her husband would never wake up while this was going on. Something was touching her chest, rubbing its finger down like a finger, rubbing it down between her breast and going down to her navel. And it was like tapping on her and it was like where the baby was at and touching it. And she said that she would like push it away, like, like not even thinking, like she didn't know what it was. And then one night she, that it, like, she felt like something would tickle her, but she thought it was like a dream. And she opened her eyes and she saw this skeletal being for all you, I don't, an entity at the side of her bed with like stringly, long, stringy, black, black hair. And it was a woman wearing like what was a, like a maternity gown and there was blood on the stomach area of this maternity gown, like dry, what looked like dried blood. And this woman, whatever she was leaned forward and opened her mouth and she had like fangs and the, the face was like rotted flesh and the eyes were hollowed out. This terrified her. So she laid there looking up at this creature, whatever it was, and that bony finger was like reaching for her and she swatted at it and it was just like air and she fell out of the bed. And then a couple of days later, this incident played out again, not quite the same, but she said that it was a recurring thing. This thing was harassing her. And she thinks that that, that is what led to her. Some, it did something to her to cause her to have the miscarriage. So that's a horrifying story. That story with the woman with the scraggly hair, whatever you want to call it, the stink stringy hair, it, it very much echoed the the story that that Angela had sent me just recently. That reminds me of the as as wing. The Oswing. Um, 
Yes, yeah, yes. from the Philippines. Yes. Apparently, they are known in their story myths that they come out at night and they take the baby. Makes me not wonder that that if that's not what the... I'm sorry, Mike, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, no, that's that's what that was reminding me of. But go ahead. Here's my question with, with the story that Angela sent us. Now, and this story from, from someone that was from a lot longer ago, but what is it? I mean, like me and Tony have been doing some research and putting together, trying to put together, because we're doing three or four projects at the same time, but we're trying to put together a show for an East Asian show, whatever. The Oswang was something that we wanted to talk about, along with the Kappas from Japan and the Oni, the Kitsune or the Kitsune, whatever they want to call however you pronounce it. But the, the Oswang is very interesting because it's a it's a creepy thing that, that goes around at night, kind of like the Llorona of the Mexican legends. And the Llorona, when people have seen it, have described it almost the same way, that it looks like a woman, but it's more of like a hag-looking thing, and it has like these big fangs. And I've heard it described that way. And I've seen, I've heard people say, I should say, that that they've seen this thing float across water. My mom went out to a bridge. It's right outside of Taylor. But this bridge, it's known for people seeing this horseman. But there's also people who have seen this entity in that water over the San Gabriel River. And my mom claims that when she was a kid, her older sister took her out for a drive. because Not as a friendly gesture, but because my burlita, which was her mother, told her, you're not going out. You're going to take her with you because she was the tattletale. <laughs> so... My uh, Aunt Rosa couldn't leave unless she had her drag her along and, you know, and and she could snitch on her if they did anything untoward, you know. So she said she was a little kid, you know, and she was probably like nine or something like that. And they went out with her sister who was already a teenager. And she was kind of like the, the forced tag along. And they were parked at the at the, the front of this bridge. And they all were getting out. And this thing that looked like a woman with a, with a, a gown was crouched down the, at the, at the, at the water's edge and that it saw them and it began to float across the water coming towards them. I can't even get my mom to come on the store on the show and tell these stories. She's got a few of them. She's got some like what I think are dogman stories too, but, uh, she doesn't really, and I don't really like talking about it on the show because I don't want her to hear it and then make her, cause she's apprehensive about even talking about these things. And then she may hear it and it may traumatize her. I don't know. Mom, I'm sorry if you're listening. But uh, So anyways, this thing reminded me of the Arona. And now, Mike, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I do. The way you're describing that, how it, it kind of reminds me of the way they describe the Aswing pretty much like, like a vampire, pretty much. But, I mean, I would think a vampire would be able to be up off the ground, you know. Uh, is it like a demonic vampire? The Oswing or, or what? Is any she? of these. I mean, any of these creatures, they're always female. And they're always, like, wandering around, you know, and attacking people at night. They're always seen at night. They're never seen during the day, ever. And they always look... Like they can, they can look like women, but when you, on closer inspection, they are stringy haired, you know, vampiric looking creatures. I have heard during the day 
that they can be a normal person and not know a person can not know that that's what they are. And then like at night, then they, depending on, I don't know if it matters, but they just change into the ass wing. I would think that it's pretty much like a, some kind of shapeshifter possibly. Do you guys, have you guys seen Conan? I don't remember which one it was with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I, I, I just remember like, like watching one of his movies. I don't know which one it was. I don't know if it was the barbarian, the destroyer. I don't know. I haven't seen him in so long, but I remember this one scene where he, he's like making love to this really hot chick. And I just remember her. She's got like dark hair or something. She looks really pretty. If I remember correctly, I just remember like seeing it and, and thinking something's going to happen. Cause obviously it's, it's Conan. He's got to fight or something weird, you know? And sure enough, she turns into this like, vampire looking hag thing and tries to attack him and then he has to kill it. Y'all don't remember that? I never saw Conan. It's been a while. I have to watch it again. Well, anyways, Conan being the, the bad dude that he is, of course he, he, he wins, but it's just messed up. I mean, you make love to some hot chick and then she's trying to eat you afterwards. That's crazy. (laughs) Tony's Mm. like, yep. Uh, (laughs) So my nephew uh, Anthony's here in the studio, of course. He's always here breaking our backs, me and Tony, uh, forcing us to drink coffee and spit out shows and beating us, trying to get you know gold out of lead like alchemy over here. Well, yeah, you got you to gotta make us money. <laughs> well, we better try something else because we're not making a lot of it with this. <laughs> uh, this is a lot. This is not, folks, this is not my livelihood. I'm just letting you know right now. I don't make money, much money off of it. I'm trying to do... Uh, do something with this you show. If you but... just do what I say. Oh, okay. Well, nah, I'm not going to do that. Make me money, boy. <laughs> Sponge boy me, Bob. Uh, so, Sponge boy me, Bob? <laughs> yeah, Mr. Krabs. I thought it was SpongeBob me, boy. No. Yeah, what the heck was, Who was that? that? Well, no, he's, he's We're going to leave that in, too. He says leave it in. both ways. Oh, Sponge me, Bob, boy? No, he says Sponge boy me, Bob, and Sponge boy, Sponge I've never Bob heard me him boy. say that. Have you heard that, Tony? He just made a mistake. I think he just no, made a mistake. Can, He's trying to cover it up. No, I can prove it, and y'all will be wrong, and I will be right once again, like we always. We won't prove it. We'll let like the, always. We'll, we'll let we the don't have to prove, prove anything. See what we We're have to the stars with? of the show. You're just there being an aggravating person. See what we have oh, to do. Oh, I'm deal aggravating. With. No, y'all are aggravating. Oh, my gosh. I can't even talk. Keep moving keep around. Keep, keep moving the Mike, mics around. Michael, Sit Mike. still and talk. Listen to this yeah. guy. You Give hear, the people you hear quality. what we have to go through, folks? What we have to go through? So, that being said, I do have a career, and it's not this, but. In this career, this secondary career that I've chosen in the radio, whatever, I have to put up with a lot, Mike, okay? And so now you've been a part of the, the team, you, you kind of see how it is. Now you know what kind of horror and hell I go through with these people. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've been behind Sponge the scenes Bob, now. SpongeBob, me boy. <laughs> SpongeBob, me boy. Speaking of that, okay, SpongeBob, me boy, whatever over here. Anthony, you okay? Now, all seriousness, folks. Let, let's you know the, the no more horsing around. But yeah, yeah, no more chuckle house here. Anthony, you have had an experience with what could be the Leorona. Yeah, I mean that's how I would. That's how I interpreted it at the time, and um, that's really the only the only thing I have to compare it to at this point. In a nutshell, what happened was that uh, I was hanging out with some friends, and um, we had plans to do, uh, 
without getting too like inappropriate for our listeners. I mean, it, it wasn't anything weird or nothing like that. But basically, we had plans to do something that we were not supposed to be doing, right? Something that we would not want to tell our as a our, teenager. Yeah, as a teenager. This was probably like when I was uh, 17, 18. I, I was 18. You were that actually. old already? 18. Yeah. That means you were already living here. You came and you... you oh, no, no, oh, no, You no, weren't no. living, but you were probably coming and going back and forth. Yeah. Like, I, okay. I was coming here on the weekends, terrible, probably. Terrible kid. Basically, we had made these plans to go and uh, get into some dumb teenage mischief. So, I had told my mom, hey, I, I was going to so-and-so's house, and so-and-so told their parents, hey, I'm going to Anthony's house, and blah, blah, blah. And... Where we actually ended up going was this uh, was this place known in in uh, our hometown of Taylor, Texas, locally, as the cul-de-sac, and it, it was known as a cul-de-sac because that's just what it was. It was just a little cul-de-sac right there by that little country airport, and uh, there wasn't really anything around it except for like cornfields or cotton fields or something. But about like a hundred yards out was was the, this this little small pond. And there was like some trees around it. So we got out there and there was like four or five of us. And uh, we, we were beginning to, to do what we had planned on doing. And we were kind of in the middle of it. And I don't know, I would say about 10 or 15 minutes into it, we were just laughing and joking around. And But that's that gets interrupted by what sounds like this woman crying. And I heard it, but... I. I figured maybe I'm just hearing things or maybe I'm just the only one who hears it. Maybe the graveyard's just creeping you out or something. Well, no, there's no graveyard around there. Oh, my, my bad. I, I was thinking Man, something. You pay, keep up. Keep up. Pay attention. <laughs> wow. No, I was yeah, thinking yeah. of another story. I got you Actually, that, that's close to the, 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 the cotton fields by that airport. Mm -hmm. I think it's maize and cotton because the Taylor has a little country airport. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. It's right there by uh, a creepy place too. Not yeah. the airport, but that place where he's talking about. Yeah, it, it's like right on the edge of town. So I I hear what sounds like a woman crying, and but it's very faint. And I figured, well, maybe I'm just hallucinating. But so I I kind of stopped like like my laughing and joking around, and then I, I noticed that at the same time my friends stopped too, and we all stopped and got silent, and we all heard the same thing, and I. I and my friend looked at me and he, to and he told me, dude, do you hear that? And I said, I thought I was the only one who heard it. Or, uh, you're, so you're hearing the same thing too. And, and it's like, yeah, dude, there's some woman crying. We remembered that there was this, this pond, like, like I said, it was like a hundred years, a hundred yards out and there was no one around. It was in the middle of pretty much nothing. But we all there was like four or five of us, and we all heard the same thing. There was this woman clearly crying. She was like weeping, like bawling her eyes out. It wasn't uh, it, like I said. It wasn't like something that just one or two people heard. We all heard the same thing, and uh, we all grew up basically being threatened by, by La Llorona. You know, La Llorona is gonna get you. It's like in the Mexican culture, it's just like the cucuy. It's like something. That, it's like a local like a legend or a mexican folklore or whatever and so that's what we all assumed that it was and um we all got in the in the car and burned out and we left and we were all we were all scared and uh we all went home after that and we never really went back to that place with those those same ambitions
you know what? Hearing that story again, I really, okay. First and foremost, what if it was a woman in danger that was hurt and some dude had beaten her or something? Or knowing our hometown, knowing Taylor, she had been attacked by a, a werewolf or a, a cadejo, hombre lobo, or, or something. And she's hurt and she's trying to get away from it. Well, if she's being attacked by a supernatural entity, what am I going to do with it? <laughs> like, what am I going to do? You could be like, like some researchers have claimed, hey, shh, shh, shh stop. Go all, away. All I'm gonna do, <laughs> all I'm gonna do is go up there and die with her. No. Oh my God! You hearing this, Mike? Michael? How okay, selfish! I'm, I'm supposed to stop a, a demon dog, a devil dog, or a, whatever she's being attacked by. If that's the case, Mike, what what do you think of his uh, not helping? Well, isn't your hometown known for dogman? Uh, yeah. Th- these there's like werewolf creatures, but the point is that he could have offered assistance to this. What what he says is your La Llorona, possibly, but it could have been a woman in distress being attacked by the Cadejo or the Amri Lobo, as the people call it. Yeah, and then I wouldn't be here to tell the story. <laughs> I'd have my guts ripped out or didn't something. Didn't you have a bunch of your friends? I know y'all are young teenage kids, whatever, but didn't you have a bunch of your friends with you? Yeah, and what are they going to do? <laughs> what are they going to do to a, a Country dog town, man? none of y'all had a gun. To a, No, we didn't oh, bring man, a gun with oh us. gosh. Yellow you know, even if we did, people, what is that going to do? I mean, to be fair, if I was in the same position, I'd probably just scream, like, do you need help? And if she didn't say anything, I would just be like, oh, oh well. <laughs> I believe. Like, under I, my I, breath, I'd be like, hey, you okay? What is she doing no, no. hanging out in a, at, a, at a pond in the middle of the country anyway? That is a good that point. That ain't none of my business. She, is... she's, she was probably there. If she was a person and not, a, not La Llorona, she was probably there doing something insidious anyway. Like drowning her kids and then looking for them later. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's what the Alorona does. But you know what? It's, little, yeah. it's none of my business what she does. Just leave me alone. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> um, <laughs> that sounds like a, a typical Taylor person. I had a friend of mine go, go to my hometown and went into a barbecue joint there and started trying to ask questions about these uh, werewolves and stuff like that. And the, one one of these locals literally told him, what, what business is it of yours? What are they hurting? Are they hurting you? And the dude got in the guy's face, and uh, of course, the guy, this guy's not—he wasn't like a big tough guy or anything. He's a kid that I had met in college, and I, and I told him a story, and he went and tried to do his own investigating, and they, he got scared and just—he's like, "Dude, people in that town are scary." I was like, <laughs> so "Yeah, even if it was a local out there, she's probably drunk and falling down, or he'd probably throw a bottle of freaking wild turkey at you or something." <laughs> oh well, it's good to know that you. Ran in terror rather than actually offer assistance to said to someone who is into something that's none of my business. Exactly. If that was a real person, oh, best case scenario, worst case, case scenario, it was La Llorona. <laughs> and, and at that point, it's time to run anyway. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? Go introduce myself? <laughs> hey, Scoob, let's go check it yeah. out. Let's split up, gang. <laughs> yeah. Let's solve this mystery. Yeah. No. No, uh, we're Hispanic. We don't solve mysteries. We run from them. Well, my uncle Butch's farm is real close to there. You know, so yeah. I mean, that's not it's not far from there. I'll tell you a story about that, Mike, uh, Tony, Anthony, everybody, the audience, whatever, whoever, SpongeBob. Um, when I was, uh, was about nine years old, I'm pretty sure that's how old I was. Uh, I was popping fireworks with my cousins Trey and Clayton, and they they're my dad's side, the Turners. 
and they have a farm, a pretty big hundred something acre farm right there. Uh, not far from that. How close would you say that it is to that cul-de-sac? A mile or two? The From the cul-de-sac, that farm is probably maybe a quarter mile. Is it that close? Well, I guess if close. you, as a crow flies, yeah. You, if you have to drive out and around, it's probably about a mile. But anyway, we that, that there's a pond that we had, and it's always been there in the family farm or whatever. And we were wandering around outside and it was nighttime and my uncle butch was out hunting and this was like uh it was it was texas is weird like it was new year's around new year's like that that week that weird week that is christmas to new year's you know how it's weird it's like it's just kind of a weird week there's nothing going on you're just kind of waiting until new year's comes playing with your christmas gifts and stuff popping fireworks whatever well that's what we were doing and uh i had gone over there like the day or two after Christmas and was out there for a couple days and we were popping fireworks and playing around, whatever. And, uh, my little cousins were with me. They're not that much younger than me, four or five years. And, uh, so we, we were out there playing or whatever, and we probably shouldn't have been going. And I was kind of watching them, you know, probably shouldn't have been going down as far as we were behind the house. And as we got close to that water, we heard something splash in that water and we heard like this i don't want i don't know how to describe it like a shriek or something that wasn't an owl and even at that age i already knew what an owl was i was probably 9 or 10 with the, i know the years i was probably about i guess i was 10 already yeah i was about 10 and i heard the splash and my little cousins were there and they got kind of scared and they were like oh my gosh you know so they started running back toward the house and I just remember the image in my mind was of La Llorona because it was water there. And I remember thinking that that's what it was. And, of course, at that age, because you have those stories in your head or whatever. And as I got older, I kind of outgrew all the stories and legends until I was 15. And I saw what I saw as the, the werewolf-looking thing. But that was that was pretty much, uh, yeah. So when you first told me that story, we were out by the lake. We were working. And, and you told me we were talking about La Llorona. You know, I think it was me, you, and Scorpion, Anthony, and you told us that story. We were out there about by the the house we were they were building that we were guarding one of one of the properties. We had a few uh, properties out on the lake that we we did security for, and uh, I remember us talking about the La Llorona. La Llorona was like you know on the water or whatever, and you told me that story, and I remember thinking about back to what had happened to me as a kid, and I don't know what it was that that shriek was whatever. It sounded like if somebody just like a woman screamed with her throat and just kind of like echoed like like that. It was like I can't do it perfectly, but like like when someone rolls their R's like that same yeah I can't and it just kind of kind of went you know and it just kept going and then I was just it sounded like a person like a female imitating a bird or something, but you could tell it was a human. Like they were trying like if somebody were to try to make a noise to make you curious to go check it out. And my little cousins were gone. They were up the hill and back up to the house. And we were we were kind of acting brave, you know. Uh, so we we were shooting fireworks like like bottle rockets and stuff down toward that pond. And then we heard like a noise, like like somebody, like later on we were inside the house. We heard like a noise, like somebody bump against the house. And he had a huge German Shepherd. Was a big, uh, big mean dog. And I remember it barking and, and going crazy, and uh, yeah. And I just remember thinking, dude, what was that? 
And like I said, it wasn't real to me until later on when I saw what I saw. Then it was like at that moment, everything that I had told was, you know, all these stories and crap. It all became real. And it was no longer crap. It was real. And I just feel like when I saw the Amade Lobo, you know, and I just, and I've had neighbors that have seen what they call the Amade Lobo. And then people who've claimed to have seen the Cadejo, which is like the black dog, which I don't know if they're one and the same. I can't, I can't tell you that i can speculate and say maybe they are maybe they're not but yeah it's pretty crazy that that that, uh, that that legend exists anywhere there's water supposedly which could mean that this thing is some sort of like water demon or spirit that very well could be i mean you know i mean maybe she's bound by the water you know wherever there's water well, I know that the the stories are that if if a spirit drowns, that they're supposedly have a very strong, uh, like they're very powerful as long as they stay near the water. Like you said, bound by the water. I don't know what that could have been that, that you heard that night, Anthony. But uh, yeah, I think that you exercised uh, prudence, I guess you would say, and ran like a little coward. So that's probably the best uh, option for you. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say the same thing. Like, I have no idea what you experienced, but all I know is that if I ever scream in the night, that you're going to run away from me. Probably, yeah. <laughs> and it makes me sleep better at night knowing that I can count on you. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you made enemies and they show up to do whatever they do, that's your problem. Wow. You wouldn't help people uh, that you're close to if some enemy showed up. Well, don't go around making enemies. I can tell you folks, the audience at home, what these two would do was yell wolf. They would be the boys that cried wolf. If something came up and they had to, because they've seen me take care of business on a couple occasions and they're going to be like, wolf, help. And then I'm going to have to come and do it. I don't know, man. I think that uh, at this point, I'm going to have to rely on myself. You know, I can't just keep calling old wolf to handle all my problems. Well, I'm not going to handle all your problems, but I think if it comes, something comes and tries to attack, I'm probably going to be your first line of defense. Or is that Banjo? Well, Banjo is my first line, <laughs> obviously. I mean, 100% well, counting upon You know him. what? I got Here's one more story I'll tell before we wrap this, this put a bow on this one. Uh, here's one for you, Mike. Speaking of dogs, water, whatever. This one was in Louisiana. I got this one from a guy who whose family were gator hunters and had been doing it for a long, long time. And when we were talking about the dog and the water and all that, this has all of those elements. They were out near near a swamp, um, and he had a dog with him, the red bone hound, as he called it. And he was out doing, uh, checking his traps, whatever. And uh, his dog started to freak out, and it took off running. And it ran away. It left him. It totally freaking left him. And so he had to walk about 50 yards back up this trail, you know, back toward his truck. When he gets to the truck, the dog is hiding behind the front wheel well, and it's hiding underneath the truck. He said this dog was pretty fearless. It wasn't the biggest, baddest dog that's around, but he said that it was a pretty tough uh, uh, hound dog. And he had had it. He had found it as a stray when it was young. It was a puppy. It had been abandoned, and he raised him. And uh, he had never been afraid. He said that this thing had stood off bobcats and and raccoons and everything else, and had been in close proximity to gators and was never backing down. But whatever this was, uh, scared him. And he had heard all the stories about the Rougarou and Bigfoot and all this other stuff. So all this stuff's going through his mind what this could be. So he, he 
hauled tail pretty much out of there and got back to his truck to find his dog cowering underneath it. What he tells me is pretty crazy. He says he goes to get in his truck and somewhere along the line, he had lost his keys. The truck was locked. It was an old Ford. And he said it was like from the eighties or whatever. There wasn't no boop, boop, you know, and open the door. So he's trying to find his keys. He can't find his keys. He's obviously dropped them and he doesn't know where they're at. And I guess in his panic, what ended up happening was he had pulled the keys out of his pocket and he kept running. And I guess he had dropped them. And so he had to go back down the trail. He said about 20 yards back down the trail, he finds his keys. And he says, as he is bending down to pick them up, he looks up, he can see the water's edge. And he sees this thing not floating toward him or anything like that, nothing that dramatic, but he sees this thing standing like with its back facing the water. He can see it clearly and it's wearing like a tattered gray like dress or whatever. And it's looking toward the water and he says that it, it's like obviously a woman, like it's shaped like a woman. And he said it was at dusk. It wasn't quite dark yet. And uh, this thing, whatever it was, was on the edge of the water and had its back to him. And he, when he went to pick up the keys, he said he made some noise and he was like, oh, crap, except he said the other word. And this thing just kind of like turned in a, at a weird angle, like it just turned kind of sideways and then jerked its head toward him and looked at him like to the left and jerked its head and looked at him. And he said that it opened up its mouth and he could see it like, you know, and at that point, like he closed his eyes, like, what am I looking at? And reopened them. And he said that from the time he closed his eyes and kind of reopened them, this thing had already moved about 10 more yards toward him. And it hadn't even moved its body. Like it was just the way it was by the water. It was like 10 yards like closer to him. Yeah, like it teleported. And he said that when its mouth was open, there were worms coming out of the eyes and the mouth like a decaying corpse. And then he said that while he was staring at this thing, he couldn't believe what he was staring at. His eyes were trying to adjust to it. He could hear the, his dog whimpering and then like barking, kind of howling. And he said that the, the thought in his mind was that his dog was calling him to go. And so he turned and tried to like, just like pretending like he didn't see it and just turned and, and took off running back toward the truck. Got in the truck, op opened the door, got in the truck. The dog jumped in and the dog just sat in his lap. He said he had to literally push the dog out of his lap to get the truck started. And it went down into the floorboard and crawled down by his feet. And he had to kick the dog, not not literally no, not kick, kick the dog, him, but yeah. push the dog with his foot, I guess. Yeah, like push him. Well, he said he had to kick him out of the floorboard, but I'm I'm assuming I'm going to be nicer and say that he was pushing the dog with his leg to get it off of him. So he could, <laughs> hell, heck, he might have kicked it to get it off of him if that thing was there. And he said that he was fumbling for you know to to get the key, the truck started, and then of course the truck's doing the run 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 thing. You know, and then and then finally it starts, and then at that he said he after that he went and got a new truck. He said he'd been holding out for years, and he said that was it, no more messing with this truck. You know, it had it for twenty years. He was done with it, and uh, he said that he his, he starts the truck up and he starts to back out. This thing was just like floating, like gliding up the trail towards him, and he said that when he was looking at it, it was just like a decaying corpse in a tattered old dress. It looked like it was from the eighteen hundreds. And he got out of there. Now, that story I was going to save for another zombie episode because I don't know, I didn't know exactly what that was. But we're on the the the, the theme here of, of female Ghost, entities, yeah, yeah hag entities with fangs, whatever. He didn't report fangs on that, but 
you know, it's, it's bad enough. I mean, it's scary enough that you can, you know, so, I mean. You, Dropping your keys, your car, your vehicle not starting. Yeah, well, the vehicle did start, but he said that he gave it a, yeah. it had to give it a couple. But after that, he was like, I'm done with this. And, you know, like literally the next day he was at looking at another truck, you know, and, and so he retired that one. Smart but, man uh, learns from his mistakes. Oh, yeah. But just when you think about it, what what could that be? I mean, like, what was that? Was that person, did they drown there? Or what was that? Maybe they were murdered there. Murdered there, you know? I mean, who knows? But uh, Or it was just, you know, a starving lady asking for help. And uh, he just Cold and her. wet and was trying to get help. He was like, I got all these worms and maggots coming out of my mouth. I mean... <laughs> Because I've been out here for months and I've just had. She was asking if he could uh, render aid in getting the the worms out of her face. Yeah, that's probably what it was. (laughs) Uh, Probably what was going on with Anthony's uh, ghost too, but or whatever was just wanting help and he ran off. Oh, so that's the theme isn't even water ghosts. It's just uh, cowards. Cowards. (laughs) Sir, I'm not calling you a coward. Uh, You gave me that story. I'm not gonna, um, Mr. R. I'll call you R. That's not, I'm not making fun of you, sir. That is not. Yes, he is. That, shut up. Take it from that me. Not, yes, he is. That, no, I do not make or anybody that anybody that knows, I do not mock or make fun of the guests that are people who send me stories. That is not true. That is absolutely not true. No, he saves that all for me. Yeah, I was going to say, he leaves that all for us. And yeah, then mocking he, and okay, stuff. Sure. And then he takes my food. That's why I'm skinny. <laughs> And he's well, we're both skinny. Not Mike. One time we were at the at the mall, and Anthony wanted to do this prank where he, because he was real when he was younger, he was a lot skinnier. He started lifting weights and gained about thirty, forty pounds. But when he was young, he was real thin. I mean, he looked like he looked like he was a starving child or something. And uh, well, his, your dad's very thin, you know, Anthony. Yeah, we and, have and good genetics. Your sister's thin too. Well, you don't, but your your dad and your sister do. But anyway. Uh, so Anthony's sitting at the, we're at the food court and this was back when I was shaped like a freaking sea cow, a manatee, you know, and I was, you know, really overweight. I had to let myself go at that time, you know, and was a long way from getting back to where I needed to be. And Anthony thought, oh, this would be funny if I just sit there and, and act like I'm not allowed to eat. Can I just reach over and like grab, like act like I'm going to grab a piece of my food and, and Please, then, sir, I want some more. And you go, <laughs> no, get out of her. And I was like, you really think that's funny? That would be cute. Somebody's going to call and say that I'm neglecting you because you look like an eight-year-old child, even though you're 15, because you're so scrawny. <laughs> he thought it would be cute to do that. And I was like, no, it wouldn't be because they're going to see this big, fat beluga whale with this little starving child that looks like he's from India. And they're going <laughs> to freaking call CPS on me or whatever. But uh, that's his idea of humor, folks. Like, that was what he wanted to do, was lampoon me with yeah, that. Yeah, I think it's a great joke. <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah, you do. You would. You were a little scrawny, weird kid, too. I remember going to eat dinner with Tony. <laughs> and Tony. I mean, was. Tony taking two hours to eat a few bites of a cheeseburger. Oh. Well, anyway, folks, that's all the time we had for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And our our, our guest, who's going to be coming back on here, here, here uh, frequently, is Michael Moran. Adding a little bit of a, another uh, voice to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and thank you for coming on, Mike, and and everybody that's listening at home. Uh, from me, Mike, Tony, and Anthony, everybody at the Paranormal Roundtable, all you folks uh, joining in, listening to us, shoot the breeze and tell these crazy stories that are just uh, kind of scary. Good night. <laughs>